This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Every Step Along the Way podcast. Well, what a busy week this has been, both on and off the pitch. Uh, so we've got a hell of a lot to unpack. We'll try and keep this down to about four hours long, uh, if we can. Um, but it wouldn't be a pod without a certain uh, Mr. Daniel Buxton. Uh, Dan, how's your week been, mate? You been okay? Uh, it's been hectic, hasn't it? It's been a lot of F5 refreshing. Got the Brock Lesnar type for the wrestling fans. But yeah, the uh, F5 refresh, refresh. Scrolling down Twitter, refresh. Come on, what's going on? And then finally, at a, after the deadline, everything happened, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, oh, mate. I, I think, like everyone, we're all. I, I think what the time did I come downstairs? I was doing some stuff upstairs on the computer with passports from, from a, a July trip. And then I come downstairs about eight o'clock and thought, I know, I'm going to watch this. Mate, it was dragged so much. And you just see all these other teams signing players left, right, and centre. Little kind of hints dropping in throughout the evening on who's going to be signing what, and um, then obviously the Axel uh, transfer and stuff we'll get into shortly starts to materialise. I mean, players coming out of nowhere, which we hadn't even heard of or thought of, although I will come back to you and give you some credit on one person later on. Um, but, mate, yeah, it was it was a hell of a week. Uh, and believe it or not, you know, in the last kind of week or so, uh, we've, we've won another game, mate. You know, we beat Reading... Uh, obviously, uh, with comprehensively the other week, and then we've taken that into, uh, of course, Stevenage, mate. Um, did you get a chance to go to Stevenage? I've got a feeling that the answer might be no, because I think you were working, weren't you? Well, in my wisdom, I changed my working day from Saturday to Sunday, thinking, right, the game's going to be on Saturday. If it does get moved, at least it'll be on TV. But, but the chances are I sh- I'll be able to go because I'm because I've got Saturday free. Then they moved it to Sunday and it wasn't on TV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so not, not I mean I, I I admire you forward planning mate but that's actually screwed you there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um I mean I'm assuming considering the fact that we actually again we started scoring goals, uh, obviously 3-1 win. Um we I'm assuming you were disappointed. I mean I wouldn't say it was the most um riveting of games I mean I thought we were comfortable throughout to be honest with you but um did you manage to catch any of the extended highlights or anything like that 
I have. I have seen a large a large chunk of the game, um, fortunately. So yes, I mean uh, I saw enough enough to get a gauge of what was going on, put it that way. How many times this season have we talked about that? For example, if we look at let's talk about the way we conceded one of the goals, um, I think first, because it's on topic. So I don't again, I don't know how many times this season we've seen the ball played long. No real invention to it. It's just a long ball through the centre of defence. It bounces once, and with the, they're in and they score. Um, it, it's been too many times, and it's something we've banged on about on several occasions on this podcast whenever we've conceded goals. And, I mean, yeah, goalkeeper could have done better. Defence definitely could have done better. It's, it's, it's a bit like the Flint one. Um, who was it against the other on the season? Was it Huddersfield? Where Flint's completely like fluffed his lines and... Oh, who was it? Was it Huddersfield or, or was it Reading away, actually? Reading, Reading was the one where Zhao took it round Bonham and then yep. hit a shot and Flint like just helped it into the net. That's the one I'm thinking of. It, it yeah, reminded me Reading. of that. Yeah, so it reminded me of exactly that one, mate, a complete fluff. So I think there's a few errors there, but I mean, it's it's just... It's just disappointing to keep losing goals like that. So, uh, I mean, again, we'll come back to transfers in a bit. But uh, I think one person down we've probably got to call out, and he was really good last season, actually. Uh, for you know, we didn't do an awful lot, but Jacob Brown uh, never stopped running again all day, stretching their play. Uh, didn't give them any time to keep passing around the back. You know, the pressure as a team, we did it as a team, which was well. But again, Jacob, um, I just feel that he's. You know, he's finding his feet again now. I think that might be three and four, I think. Um, and, you know, we've said it a few times in, in, in the past on this pod, probably towards the start of the season, where he reminds you of a Johnny Walters. You know, sometimes I don't think he's appreciated as much as he as he should be. Um, again, last season, he scored some great goals, tie goals from tie angles. Um, you know, I I think he's, he's really one of those unsung players. Um, but he is another... Johnny Walters bark too. So, I mean, Dan, people talked about us not bringing a striker in this month, um, and obviously Lane Delap go. Um, but we have a striker right here, don't we? Yeah, we do. And as a, as with the uh, game last week, and obviously the game against Hartlepool in the last round, he's the perfect striker for. No disrespect to him in, in, at any point, but the perfect striker to play like a lower league opposition. Because he'll run all day, so he'll pressure them, he'll force them into making mistakes, and he's finishing level. He just he'll get himself half a yard of space and, and score, you know, and create a chance for like well, be in the right place to receive a chance, should I say, and finish it um, against obviously defenders that aren't up, usually up to championship level. And I think that you know that's what got him the goal. Wanted to he was in the right place for the flick on from World Watch. Took a touch and finished, and that was. And like I say, he pressed and he carried it, and he, he never gave their defense a moment's rest at all. Did he for for Roxy, from what I saw? Uh, but yeah, I think in those circumstances, for those games especially, he's, he's the perfect man to have, similar to what a Walters was um, in his day. Like you know, if you if we were ever playing a team um, from the lower the division below, or a team that you would expect us to beat at that point. Walters was always a good man to have on up front because he would just press and force errors. He, he would, but I guess we still haven't solved, you know, the, the partnership in a way. Who, who is, does Jacob 
best complement in this team right now. I mean, you'd probably say Tyrese because of the pace that both of them can bring. But um, do you feel there's one player, or do you think that Jacob basically switches and he switches his gameplay up depending on who he's with? Yeah, I think it's it's weird with Campbell because obviously like Campbell's got the the raw pace and the finishing. And then Brown's got the work rate and the and the pressing anti. So uh, so that's an interesting combination, but not doesn't always seem to work and click together. Um, I think we said last week, didn't we? That Gale always seems to bring the best out of whoever he plays with. And then you've obviously got now you've sort of dropped Selena into there as well. I like yeah. I like the front three last last week and how that sort of gelled across. And they seem to be quite interchangeable, don't they? And sort of move around. And if you've got the trickery of Selena, like I said, the pace of Campbell and the and the work rate and harassing a Brown as a defender, if they keep moving position and moving around, then you're going to test any defence really. If they're going to keep coming up against all three of those things, like you know, interchangeable throughout a game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And you obviously, you know, you mentioned um, Selena, Dan. I mean, I was a bit, I didn't quite know what to expect from him. I've heard about him being, you know, this kind of tricky winger. You know, he's, he's got a bit of style to him. Um, and to be fair, that that's kind of exactly what I saw from Selena. You know, he was looking good, uh, looked tricky. His movement was great. I was, I was trying to pay special attention to him. You know, he was picking the ball up in midfield. He wasn't hiding at all. He would put himself into difficult situations. You know, he, he received the ball, but doing what most midfielders should do, they look over the shoulder before they actually get the ball so they know exactly what they're going to do with it. Um, and, you know, for me, I said, look good, good trickery, good movement, a couple of really nice passes, a few that didn't quite come off, but you've got to, you've got to appreciate he's, you know, they're never all going to come off or else he wouldn't be at Stoke City. You know, he would be a big Premier League team. So, you know, we've got to take the rough with the spoof, but... um. I think one thing that kept coming to mind as I was watching him, he reminded me a lot of Shakiri. Um, he's not a big player, but he was tricky. Again, his movement, I don't know how to explain it, but he, he was he was feeling a bit like Shakiri. And um, I don't think his best position is going to be in the wing. I think it could be in, and we've been talking about it, the Nick Powell position, a replacement for Nick Powell longer term. So I wonder if... if it... Maybe we have Brown and Campbell forward with him just tucked in behind. Then, is that what we're thinking? Quite possibly. Yeah, absolutely. Mate. There's, there was a, there was a couple of through balls, and the, the highlights wouldn't have pulled them up. But it was a couple of, of through balls that he played to Jacob and Tyrese. Little cute through balls that you generally do see from your flair players. I don't think a Baker would have done them. I don't think a Laurent, you know, would would have done them. So. I don't know. It's very, very early days. We know that, but I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged by what I saw. Um, how he's going to fend against an opposition that's going to get up in your face um, and be rough and kick you around, time will tell. I think he might have to do a little bit of development there. But um, yeah, either way, mate, I, I'm, I'm really happy with that. And we'd probably be amiss not to mention the, the penalty. <laughs> um, what I thought was really weird about this penalty, the Stoke showed it. They they showed the penalty decision on the big screen. Um, they never show contentious um, or you know, decisions like that at all, ever. 
Um, and I remember seeing it in the whole crowd. And I said to you know, a little man next to me, um, I, I just said to him, said, mate, that wasn't a penalty. And you heard the crowd's reaction. And it was like, oh, OK, yeah, he's made a mistake. And what 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 happens if the referee's just gone and watched the screen? And lo and behold, after the game, it turns out the referee did see it on the screen. Um, but in fairness to the ref, he had a chance to blow up for a penalty for them a couple of minutes later and didn't do so. He didn't feel the pressure, which you think he would want to even it up. So credit to him on that front. But it wasn't a penalty in a month of Sundays, was it? Uh, no, um, I think it's uh, John Oldfield, a regular sort of contributor of us, and he has you know, been on the pod as well. Um, he asked, he put, put the video to you. Know, what, what are my thoughts on it on Twitter? And I said at first glance, I'll be honest, I can understand why the refs gave it because at first glance, when I watched watched it in real time. I was like, yeah, it looks like a penalty. Brown's not the ball and he's been cleaned out. And then you watch the replay and there's two very quick touches on the ball, one after another. Brown knocks it forward and then the defender knocks it sideways just before he, he, he makes contact with Brown, doesn't he? You know, yeah. Half a second before. So obviously when you slow it down, there's a clear deviation of the ball away and you can see that the, the defender's won the ball. But to be fair to the referee, like I say, when I saw it in real time, first time, I thought, yeah, it's a penalty. So can you really criticise them too much when they haven't got the you know, they haven't got the, the pleasure of seeing it do three, four times have they and, and being no. able to slow it down? No, and, and mate, how many times have we been screwed over this season? Uh through, you know, stonewall penalty decisions and stuff like that. So you know what? I don't care. We got something back where we've been screwed elsewhere. So I mean maybe this is the whole swings and roundabouts. He doesn't feel like it at the time, but maybe this is where we get, you know, you win some, you lose some, and you know, you have to hope that the ones that you lose are not in critical moments, I suppose. Um, anything, anything, anything that aggravates Steve Evans is good for me. Yeah, well, you knew he was going to pipe up about that. Didn't you? That was <laughs> plain as day. Um, and we'll finish off this little bit for, for Stevenage uh, before going to Man of the Match with, unfortunately, not the greatest of news. I should have put this at the beginning just to uh, to, to not end on this way, but um, Connor Taylor's injury. Uh, I'm going to be honest, mate, it doesn't look good. Typical Stoke fashion. I don't think we've actually released any news about it. Um, so we'll probably find out in, I don't know, July uh, what's happening. But um, I was watching him at the time. He was in the middle of the pitch, I think just on the edge of the, the centre circle, if I remember rightly. Um, and I don't know why I was paying attention to him. I'm not quite sure why that was. But, um, yeah, he's he must have got his studs stuck on the ground because he just turned and almost got, well, he, he kind of jumped in the air, hopped and, and dropped, um, which, you know, obviously reading between the lines, it looked like he got his studs stuck on the ground, tried to turn, he's done his ligaments or he's done something. Um, I mean, obviously, we'll find out, hopefully, uh, what's going on with him. And hopefully it's not as bad as it as we first thought, because obviously Suter's gone. Um, I know we've got Axel coming in. We don't really know much about him just yet. Um, so Connor Taylor, this was his chance. This was his chance to, to get in this team and potentially try and stay there. So he will be devastated um, if this is anything serious. And... Um, yeah, hopefully he recovers soon, but uh, it's it's a big chance miss for Connor, don't you think? Yeah, like you say, it could, the way it looked, it could be sort of ankle ligaments. I mean, I'm not a doctor or a physio, but it looked like, yeah, like I say, it could have been ankle ligaments or it could have been maybe an Achilles sort of tendon, you know, just, just of how he did it and, and his 
you know how his reaction was um after sort of the twist but yeah it doesn't look good um it could be quite could quite easily be a season ender um which wouldn't be great like I say Twinzibi's come in and you'd have to think that if he's fit he is going to be starting again we'll we'll, we'll kind of get on to him I suppose with with Connery's had no luck is this his second injury at a season already y- yes because um obviously when he went dropped out of the plans originally earlier on in the season and we didn't hear anything about it, did we? We didn't know. Uh, we just thought that he had fallen out of favour and we didn't understand why he wasn't being picked. And then it turned out, obviously, when he did come back into the squad, it was reported, oh, yeah, he's, he's actually been out with an injury. That's why he's not been playing. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully for his sake, he comes back, mate, because, like I said, for me, I think this would have been a prime time to come in, do a good job, give the manager something to think about going into the summer. The problem for Connor now is that we're going to go into the summer potentially with quite a bit of money to spend. Um, and if Alex wants to, he could go and buy himself an entire new defence, bar possibly Timer's position. So he's, he could find himself not playing for the club again, as harsh as that sounds, very easily, if that's where he sees he wants to spend his money. I hope that isn't the case, because I think Connor's got potential but um, yeah, I, I just hope it's not as bad as we're saying. Um, fine. So just kind of moving on, Dan. Uh, man of the match poll, mate. Uh, where do we stand on that front? I actually have not looked this week in terms of uh, where the votes were standing. Who who would have got your vote? Uh, Selena potentially, but I think mm, mate, there was a few. I tell you what, no, I'm going to go for Lawrence. Lawrence for his goal and just his general overall play. Well, 225 votes. Loren was second with 36% of them. Uh, Brown was third with 5%. Smallbone was fourth with 4%. And the winner with 49% of the vote was debutant Selena. Ah, there we go. Obviously, we're watching a similar game then. Um, Yeah, hardly surprising, mate. And... I mean, Smallbone, I don't want to kind of dwell too much, I want to move on, but uh, credit to the guy. I think he's been better in recent weeks. Um, again, you'd expect him to be against, you know, a lower league opposition, but um, let's hope he can carry on. Be interesting to see how his position uh, stands with these new players coming in, um, especially with the likes of Ben Pearson. So that's going to be something to discover. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a certain starter now, but we'll come back to that. Dan, news-wise, um, I've been looking up a little bit for, for us this week. I don't think there's been an awful lot of news, but we would be absolutely fools not to mention the best manager in Stoke City's history. Tony Pulis retired this week, mate. Um, and a lot of people have gone, best manager in history? Yes, the best manager in Stoke's history. And I'll put him above Warrington. There you go. So, um, <laughs> I mean, he kind of must have... Yeah, there's a debate for you. Uh, I guess, though, I could, you could very easily say, I didn't see Waddington. So I'm going to say that answer. So, OK, in my lifetime, let's, let's rephrase it, um, just so I'm not peeing people off and I'm screaming and stamping on the mobiles. Um, yeah, OK, best person in, in modern era um, for me. So anyway, <laughs> uh, just digging myself a little hole there, but never mind. Uh, so I think he kind of retired on the sly a little bit. I mean, he's clearly not been taking any management roles. Um I'm just keen to to see very quickly, Dan, what's your, what's your favourite TP memory? Because for me, we could choose so much. We could choose the European run. We could choose the semi-final or the final of the FA Cup. You know what? 
for me, it was his return after his mum had died um, and his half-time return. That just epitomised what that guy was all about. Yeah, I think on an emotional level, you could not be that. There's nothing you could do, uh, nothing you could say, nothing that could be done on the pitch that could epitomise his love for Stoke more than more than that moment and, and doing that. Um, and the professionalism with which he sort of, you know, treated the job and the importance that he gave, you know, and how grateful he was to, to have the role of manager of this club. Um, that aside, I think if I was to pick one game that, that I thought was everything Tony Pugh wanted from his team and really... Um, you know, highlighted the 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 you know, the, the, the um, positives in his management and and you know the the sort of how he wanted his team set up, how he how he liked them to play, uh, what he demanded from each and every one of his players when they stepped over the white line. Uh, I would say it's that Manchester City game, the first season after we got promoted. Uh, Delap was sent off for kicking the ball into Sean Wright Phillips's stomach. <laughs> yeah. After about twenty minutes, and we played seventy minutes against a top top level side. I mean, they weren't the Manchester they are now, but they were still a top you know six side at the time. Um, and we we battled and we pressed and we put bodies on the line and the and what they did, Edrington got the ball down the wing, then he slung it into the back post and BT added a winning goal. And then we had 30 minutes of the fans being absolutely amazing behind the behind the side. Uh, the connection there was between that them players and the crowd. Um the, I remember there being about 10 minutes left and just in unison it seemed like 25,000 people just roared at the same time. Just because they could tell the players were were sort of hanging, do you know what I mean? They were they were yeah. they were they were they were struggling. There was nothing left. They'd given everything, and I think if there was one match for me that that epitomised everything that Tony Pulis demanded and wanted out of his players. Yeah, mate. I can't. Yeah, I can't really argue with you on that one. I think game wise for me, um, oh, so many to choose from. I'm gonna I'm gonna punt uh, punt for the semi final five 0 win, um, because never in my, a million years in my lifetime did I think I was gonna see Stoke win five 0 at Wembley, and the atmosphere, the stadium was full, it was red and white all over the place. That was a special moment that we probably will never replicate unless something dramatically changes. So um, yeah, obviously all the best to Pulis in his retirement. If we can get him on here, I would absolutely never let him go from 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 the uh, the pod, mate. I'd keep him on for hours talking about all these memories. Um, we'll see, but um, yeah. Moving swiftly on because we've got a hell of a lot to talk about transfers. Um, if I'm not mistaken, with well, there's been a total of eighteen deals um, this month, in and out, obviously. Um, I could have got that number wrong, but I think it's there or thereabouts. So no one wants to hear us bang on for the next three hours about 18 different deals. So talking about the uh, the ins very quickly, Dan, um, I think one position that people have been screaming about, of course, is the uh, is the goalkeeping situation. So Sarkis, I mean, again, much needed. Uh, he talks the talk. He looks to be a good shot stopper from what we've seen. You know, he talks about managing his, his defence and making sure that he knows their their strengths and weaknesses so that he can not put them in diff- difficult situations. Um, proof's in the pudding, but 
we've probably got to be happy with this one, don't you think? Yes, definitely. Um, I think we had some audio didn't we, last week that said what you know how, how great he'd done at Birmingham. Um, he's definitely an upgrade on what we've got. Probably an upgrade on what we had um, to start the season with. And for me, I think that that's all you can ask really in a January in a January window is that when you bring a player in, he's better than what you've already got, and that improves your team. So. Yeah, well done to Alex Neal on this one. We've we uh, we've he's sort of hopefully solved one of the major issues that we've had in the last couple of years. And obviously, he's taken the number one jersey, which says everything to everyone at the club, including Bonham, including Fielding. Um, he is now the number one, and he will probably stay the number one. Um, I don't believe there's an automatic kind of permanent transition um, at the end of the deal. However, if I, again, if I'm not mistaken, I think it will take him to the end of his contract. So I think it's one of those kind of deals that happens, you know, six months to the end of his contract, and then we can sign him if we want to. Um, it seems to be that type of a deal. Well, in that case, it would not surprise me to see him made a permanent signing within yes. the next week or so. Yeah, because we obviously need to make two people um, obviously perm. So... Uh, wouldn't surprise me if it was him and uh, Ben Pearson, if I'm honest with you. But uh, another person. Uh, now, um, I could give you my opinion on this one first, which is Mr. Hoover. Let's just call him Hoover. I'm not going to start trying to pronounce all of his name. Um, but uh, instead of me giving my opinion, let's catch up with someone who has actually seen him play firsthand and get a bit more information on exactly who he is and what he's about. Hello, lads. This is Harry from the Wall 77 Club podcast talking about Hoover, who you've just signed from us um, on loan. First of all, when he first came in, we kind of knew a little bit about him because he made his senior debut against us for Liverpool in the FA Cup. He come on for Lovren, I believe it was, um, after he got injured and played the whole game. He was the youngest player to ever make an appearance in the FA Cup at the time, I think the stat was. So, yeah, we knew about him. We signed him around the time Jota went to Liverpool from us. He was around £10 million. Um, come in and obviously because he was such a young player he was going to be back up most of his appearances were at right wing back because as you know we did play five at the back a lot around that sort of time 2019-2020 but he is more naturally a centre back I believe as he come through the youth at Liverpool but he can play both and he looked okay at first a decent cover for a young player obviously everyone was uh, expecting him to progress and become a re- like a, a star really in, in years to come but once Bruno Large took over it got into that era he wasn't playing much he'd come on here and there I remember the one game um eight Nori who plays for us at the moment Mark Salah out the game for 89 minutes subbed Hoover on made a mistake we lost 1-0 at the death so after that Bruno Large called him out for his attitude his commitment and um, we never saw him again he was banished to the bench. He's yeah, apparently had attitude problems in and around the training ground. So he got the move on loan to PSV. Obviously, he's a, a Dutch lad himself, so we thought it would be a good move for him. He only made five appearances for them, and they ended up shipping him back to us this January while still paying his wages. So I think he's got a really big, big attitude problem, which I'm sure you don't want to hear, but there's certainly a lot of quality and potential there. So if somehow in this loan to you lads you can get the manager to sort him out you've got a good player on your hands because like i say the ability and the potential is definitely there but it seems his attitude is just not very good at all thinks he's better than what he actually is 
Thank you very much. Yeah, really good insight. Um, so so Dan, good player with good kind of attributes, but a little bit of an attitude problem, um, apparently, which is interesting. Um, hopefully, you know, he's not going to try and get away with that with Alex Neal because I got a feeling that um, he won't get away with it. I think if, if you know, Alex comes across as someone who would literally shut that down straight away. So hopefully he's coming here with a point to prove and an attitude to keep in check. Um, but again, we needed some cover here, didn't we, mate? Right wing back or right back, you know, whichever one he wants to play. Uh, we needed cover. Yeah, um, we did. And like I say, he's coming. Obviously, we've got Dijon Sterling as the right wing back. Um, but also, he's, as we've seen, prone to injury. <laughs> um, yeah. So, let's see, whoever, whoever, Hoover? He's coming, um, whatever, whoever. I mean, I'm calling him Hoover. It's so much easier. Yeah. Uh, so Dyson's coming. And... Oh, Jesus. No, who? Um, yeah, Hoover's coming. Obviously, we've got centre-backs as well. It's interesting there that he started out as a centre-back because that might be where his best route into the side comes, especially if we go three at the back. Um, I could see a, a back three of, obviously, uh, Fox, Wilmot, and then... Hoover, maybe. Hoover uh, sweep, that... sweeping up those balls at the back. <laughs> Hoovering up those offensive chances. Sorry, this is gonna... we're going we're gonna to find loads of these over the course of the year. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> oh, dear. Obviously, um, like I say, you've got Sterling. And I think Sterling wouldn't be too bad in about three either. So we have got options there. Um, just a bit concerned about, like I say, the attitude as well. Like, obviously, if, if Wolves think he's got an attitude, if PSV think he's got an attitude, We've just spent a bit of time getting rid of players with attitude who think they're better than the club and think they're better than they are. Hopefully, if he shows anything like that, Alex Neal hopefully just sends him back to you know Wolverhampton and whatever and just says, on your back, you know, we, we don't have any, any of that here. He doesn't strike me as somebody who would put up with that, especially from a lone player who's like coming in. It's not as if he's, it's not as if he's, he's in there, you know, up, up front scoring 30 goals a season or anything, is it? And no. He, he can, well, you know, he can do what he wants because he produces the goods, you know, kind of thing. He'll take us where we need to be. He's he's come up, he's coming as a backup wing back, you know, backup right wing back, for goodness sake. If he's well, going to have attitude, he can start off back to Molyneux. Well, it makes me think where that deal came from because, I mean, obviously, Sarkic was, of course, the, the number one target from Wolves, but, um, if he's got an attitude, you think we would have scouted that if we've scouted him properly. So is it the case of we want the goalkeeper? Have you got anyone else around that we can take from you as a right wing back option? And they've gone, yeah, well, try this guy. It could be, I mean, obviously it won't be that basic, but it could be as simple as that. We want to you know, get him loan out. You want a right wing back. We've got a right wing back. Um, have this guy as well. Could well, be that simple. He'd only just come back from PSV as well, hasn't he? So mm. there's obviously a player in there. And maybe Alex Neal's fancies the challenge. I mean, let's be honest. Let's let's be uh, fair with the guy. He's not done anything bad since he signed for this club. In this, in the few, he hasn't had time. <laughs> in, the, in the three or four days, he's not lamped anybody in training that we know of yet, or, or stormed out or whatever. Do you think that um, would ever get out, mate, with this manager? Never. <laughs> no, he's probably the one doing the lamping if he was kicking out. <laughs> <laughs> um. It'd just be interesting to see, especially if he's not in the team, if he's sat on the bench and stuff. Obviously, he was last week, where he could probably pass that off as, you know, the you know, he's only just signed and whatever. If he's still on the bench in three, four, five games' time, 
is that when his attitude's going to drop? But we'll see. Like I said, there's obviously a player in there. He came through at Liverpool. He got his debut you know, at such a young age. Um, they said they rated him ability-wise, but there was other things he got rid. Uh, Wolves, the guy you know, who was just there, he said, you know, there's a great player in there. He's just got to nurture it and get it out. So hopefully, if we uh, if we can do that, because you never know. You obviously, the 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 thing with this is as well. These are young men, aren't they? And mm-hmm. and they mature at different ages. You know, maybe the experience at PSV and Wolves. You know, if if he is, if he has been trouble, if he if he has, then maybe the penny has even dropped with him. Oh, this could yeah. be me actually. Yeah, maybe I need to sort myself out. Yeah. Well, hopefully, mate. Time will tell with him. He didn't do anything when he came on against Stevenage. Absolutely nothing. He didn't have much time, so no, no judgment yet. Um, one man that did obviously play, uh, like I mentioned earlier, was Selena. Um, joined on loan with a view to signing permanently. Uh, I don't think it's the first time that this player has come up on the radar. Actually, I think there's been previous scouting going on. And like I said, mate, I think this could be a Nick Powell replacement, which we've been asking for. It does seem to be. It's, it's interesting. If if you think he's a winger, you play him as a winger against a lower league opposition to see what he's capable of. The fact that he didn't play him in, in like a wing or you know right or left of a front three says to me that that maybe isn't where he's thinking about him playing. So I think he could be the natural Nick Powell, Nick Powell replacement. And again, we're judging him early. Um, but an, another player that we've got to be happy with, I think any midfield creativity can't be sniffed at. We've been asking for that for a long time. You know, we've had the Bakers, the the Lorenz, the Thompsons, who are good, steady midfielders, typically. Um, so it's nice to get someone with a bit more flair that isn't just an injured Nick Powell. Um, no, walking sick note. So um, certainly an interesting one there. Do you know much more about Selena that, you know, may shed a little bit of insight into how he plays? Yeah, I think... Um... From from what I've seen, what I've read, and that, and what you know, quotes from different people, he has had a tendency to drift in and out of games, and he can go sort of inverted commas missing at times. I do wonder whether if he comes here, he is going to be the main man for creativity. And so there's nobody else on this side that's he's going to be the one to look at. They're going to be feeding in the ball and getting created. And I wonder whether in other sides has he maybe being one of two or three or has he been the second or third choice and so he doesn't feel as involved maybe he's one of those players who thrives when they are the main person you know they are the main attraction and you know if we're constantly feeding in the ball because he's the creative he's the creative spark for us in the final third like I say he could be one of those players that really thrives in that environment so hopefully that that's the case, and uh, but yeah, very promising debut from him, and I'm uh, looking forward to seeing him. Looking forward to seeing him in the flash and against Championship defenders starting this weekend. Yeah, interesting to see how he gets on. Um, so again, we'll all keep tabs on him. I'm sure uh, another player. Obviously, I'm just going to make it easy on me, Axel. I'm not going to even try his surname, but I know you did a very good job of it earlier. Uh, so Axel. We saw a couple of YouTube videos, which is obviously what everybody does uh, when you sign a player um, that you've barely ever seen. So who who was it again that he was skinning and uh, stopping quite easily? Was it Mbappe, by any chance? It was, yeah. He just went stride to stride with Mbappe and then just casually shouldered him off the ball. 
on about three or four occasions in the same game. Yeah, as you do. Um, so I mean, again, mate, we all know YouTube videos. I mean, Christ, we, we can make. I mean, you you've had a shot, if I remember rightly, on YouTube that it was a top corner goal. But I'm pretty sure you're not going to be landing up for Stoke next week. So, you know, at the same they're time, lost. mate. Yeah, they're lost, mate. Absolutely. We we, we needed a Nick Powell replacement for a while. Where were you? Um, so time will tell with him. Probably. Yeah, um, probably, mate. I was probably with you. Uh, but yeah, he's had a major injury. I think he's been out with a back injury for the last six months. Again, another player who is signed on loan, but with a view, I think, again, till the end of his contract. So another player where we'll have an option to maybe sign permanently. Uh, time will tell with him. He's got to stay fit. The chances are he ain't going to be fully fit for a number of weeks yet. I know he has been training with Man United, so it's not like he's not been training at all. Um, I would probably expect that he won't come in against Luton. Um, he, he makes my team, but I don't think he probably will come in. I think Jaggy Alka will probably take his space. Um, and then maybe we'll see him against, I think, Hull next. So, again, time will tell with him. He's played for Man United. I know when the deal was announced, the people in the studio on Sky Sports were like, oh, no, good deal. Um, so th- there's, there's potential in there. Uh, we just hopefully need to see it and Maybe we're just getting him at the right time. You know, a player with potential who's had injuries, if he's over his injuries, maybe we will see the best of him. Again, time will tell. You've That's kind of a, a line throughout this podcast at the minute for these signings. Time will tell. Um, I, I will make, I will say it now. Oh. If he stays fit, if we get him fully fit, he, for me, is a better defender than Harry Suter. <laughs> he's that wow. good. He he was that he was that good at Manchester United when he when he came through, and it's only that he's had runs in the team. They've tried to get him in that team numerous times, but he's just had injuries or bad luck and, and whatever. And but they've stuck with him, and the club that size with the spending power, and they could just go out and buy a replacement if they've tried to stick with him. That shows you how good a player he is. Okay, um, I'm saving this recording just so you know, so I can point out the end of the season how wrong or all right that you were. You're, you're often wrong, but I'm going to use it. Sorry, you really don't deserve this. You get a lot of abuse tonight. I apologise. Um, uh, moving on, on again because we've just got a lot to cover off. Um, ben Pearson. Now this is where your credit comes in. Now a lot of signing that a lot of people did not see coming, except for the one man that I know. Mr. Daniel Buxton, you called this signing, mate, weeks and weeks ago, if I'm not, not mistaken. You were saying if we need to sign anybody in the, com- in the coming January window, it needs to be Ben Pearson. You shouted it straight away. And if anyone's listened to the pod, they will know that you've said that as well. So um, we always like to bring you some exclusive audio. So I'll let you stew on that and you can, c- you can claim your credit in a second. Um, but we've got some audio as well. Now we are going to hear from Steve who uh, you may, I think may have been on this podcast in the past, um, but he's the former kit man uh, at Preston. So he worked with, obviously, Ben Pearson um, from that perspective. And, of course, he worked alongside Alex Neal um, as well during his time at Preston. So let's have a quick chat with him, and we'll see um, what his perception of Ben Pearson is as well. Hi, Stoke fans. Uh, Preston fan here. Just heard about you getting um, Ben Pearson. We'll put it this way, Alex Neil built his team around Ben Pearson. We went to the top of the league with Ben Pearson and I'm sure we would have done it, but for some reason 
uh, the latest contract run out and it was no surprise to any Preston fan that he ended up in a Premiership with Bournemouth. He's that good. He's not one of the guys that you'll see drop a shoulder and ping one in from 30 yards. He's the guy that wins you the ball back. He's the guy that keeps you ticking over. If he can keep out the referee's notebook, then Stoke will have got one of the best loan signings in this division ever. He's that good. And they get on really well, Alex and Piero. And he's a good guy in change rooms as well. I remember giving his captain's armband to him uh, one game and he was thrilled to bits. Uh, he's that kind of guy. He's really emotional. Gives everything he's got for the cause. And uh, that is one hell of a sign. As a Preston fan, like I said, absolutely gutted that we didn't get him back. But for some bizarre reason, we let his contract run down and he went for next to nothing. And he's probably worth about 10 million at the time. So that, that was really weird. But anyway, um, these two teaming up together, that's going to be immense for Stoke. And uh, is probably the best holding midfield player in the division. And he'll prove that. When you lose the ball within seconds, you've got it back again. He's that good. He reads the game so well. And um, I'm no doubt that the gaffer will start him straight away in the next game. I think he rates him that highly. But saying all that, he could never be the gaffer at Ed Tennis. I just thought I'd drop that in. Anyway, good luck, guys. Speak soon. Thank you very much for the audio. So, um, yeah, pretty raving reviews there. So, what, worth 10 million? Build your team around him. Um, basically, he is now the best midfielder in the championship. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there you go. Dan, the floor is yours, mate. Take your credit. You called Ben Pearson a long time ago. Yeah, I thought Alex Neal's Preston side, like I say, like Steve just said there, was built around Ben Pearson. And you could see that every time we played them. Um, he's there's nobody better at this level to do that nasty, dirty, um, the stuff that Glenn Whelan used to do, just mop going around, mopping up, uh, breaking up attacks. He'll just hoover things up. He'll just go, you know, just mop up any loose balls, any second balls. He'll he'll get he'll throw himself into tackles. He'll get the crowd going. I'll tell you that for one thing. You know, the, he's the kind of player who. You know, will fly, fling himself to a 50 50, um, get up. You know, he, he won't he won't back down. Uh, I think there was a video, didn't somebody put on Twitter earlier on about um, a Bournemouth fan said, uh, Ben P, you remember the time Ben Pearson ran the length of the pitch just to get involved in a bit of a dust up between a few players down the other end, um, and how they loved it and everything. So, I think, yeah, that's that's the kind of player he is, he's, he's not going to back down. He's going to really drive your team on. And, and I think he's he's the, he's the kind of player where the players around him, their standard's going to improve or they aren't going to be allowed to drop their standard, should I say, because yeah. he's there. He's going to be demanding stuff from them. Perfect sort of captain material, I'll be honest, in time. Whether he gets it straight away, I don't know. Alex Neal, may, obviously, he's his main man, isn't he? So he may well just stick the armband on him straight away. If free Baker up to just concentrate on his own game. I think it would it wouldn't probably go down well though, changing it mid season. I don't think that'll be a good tactic at all, whether he deserves it or not. But yeah, mate, it'd be interesting to see what happens to that midfield dynamic. You know, we've mentioned, you know, Smallbone. We, you know, we've got Smallbone, we've got Loren, we've got Pearson now, we've got Baker. 
Uh, we've got Selena. There's a lot of midfield potential there, so I'm, I'm very intrigued to see how this is all going to pan out. Yeah, um, on just on that subject of the armband and stuff, he he doesn't. He probably doesn't need the armband to be that leader anyway, does he? No, he shouldn't do. He shouldn't do at all. As you said, I think he'll lead by example, almost like a bit of a Joe Allen. You know, yeah. he, that that's the way I see him. Um, so, to your ins, Dan, out of ten, this window. What is your rating? Well, we've brought creativity that we were missing. We've brought steel to the midfield, which we were missing. We've improved the goalkeeping. We've got a a replacement who, potentially, if we keep him fit, could, you know, is potentially on a par or, or whatever with Harry Souter. Um, yeah, I, I can't really fault that, to be honest. I think... At least four of the five signings go straight in and improve the side, and the fifth one is, you know, it's a bit of flexibility in the back line as well, and just helps to put an extra body in there because we're looking a bit light. So yeah, out of ten, um, I'd probably say an eight. I think maybe I think the only thing we were probably could have improved it may have been a target man maybe. Because then we haven't yeah. got a, we haven't got a big target man forward. But if we're not going to play that way, if we're going to try and get the ball down and, and pass through the lines and give it to people like Selena and let Baker get forward, that kind of play, um, then we probably don't need one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got almost the same to be honest with you. I put I put a seven down for me. Um, I've, I've put it in brackets here. A striker would have made it higher. So. But again, like I said, I think we've I've got I think we've got some of the strikers in there. No one's going to turn down more strikers. Christ, I think most most fans, if you can fill a team with, with a full of strikers, you know, a, a Neil Warner type approach, then um, I think a lot of people would do it. But uh, yeah, seven out of ten. Um, and then moving swiftly on because we've kind of gone over a little bit on this section, really. Uh, but we would obviously be stupid not to mention the outs. Now, again, there's a lot of them. Uh, I'll mention a few of the irrelevant ones first. Obviously, Flint and Kilkenny. Uh, we mentioned Kilkenny last week. I think he was always going to go. Uh, I know for a fact that they've been wanting to rip that one up for a few weeks. Um, so, you know, that's that one. Flint, if player was starting for, you know, good chunks, he was coming off the bench. You could see the writing was on the wall when he stopped a period on the bench and he stopped ever again on the pitch. Um, I don't think he was overly... A bad player for Stoke, mate. I just, I just think he was always a he very average. Oh, so go on. He had his limitations, I'd say. Yeah, he did. He did. He, he was nothing special, and um, I think he was always prone to just a stupid defensive mistake, as we've seen, and we actually outlined one of them earlier. So, not sad to see him go. I think any of the defenders we brought in are better than Flint anyway, um, potentially. So, not bothered about them. Uh, one man I did want to mention, then we'll leave the last one, obviously, to well, an obvious player to mention. Um, Wright Phillips, an actual deal that didn't seem to be happening at all. And it seems like that Northampton came in with a last-minute offer to take him on loan. And um, we've agreed, which, I mean, they're getting a hell of a player at that level. I, I mean, I don't worry, I'm not going to claim to be his biggest fan, but at League Two level, Wright Phillips really should be thinking, I can go in here and rip this apart. Um, he could really get it over the line for them in their promotion. And Dan, a lot of people have been calling for a winger. And, you know, obviously Alex Neal have been on about wingers and and whatnot. 
we've just let one go. So that maybe says to me that maybe we're not going to play with out-and-out out wingers anymore. Um, are you disappointed to see Wright Phillips go? I mean, I've seen the comments online and a lot of people were, were very disappointed, actually. I'm not sure he is a winger, you know. I, I think he's better off playing, like, as a second striker. Mm. So either as, like, a number 10 role or... Or I think he, I remember that game he played at was it Holloway once it last year when he was man of the match. Um, it was on Sky, and I think he 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 basically dominated that game from playing off Brown. Brown was like yeah. the main striker, and he had sort of a free role behind him. And I think that's the best best position for him. As for this move to Northampton, well, they're, they're second top scorers in League Two. They're going for promotion, so he, he's going to be on a front foot side. I think it'll toughen him up because obviously, you know, League Two defenders, they aren't going to be holding back, are they? Um no. so I think he'll he'll learn a lot about his body and how to um how to protect the ball and you know how, you know how to sort of you know, ride challenges, that kind of stuff and, and you know, the physicality of the professional game, you know, week to week to week. Uh, I think he's guaranteed to be playing most weeks, if not every week at you know, at in League Two, you'd hope so anyway. Yeah. And and like I say, he's going to be, he's going to a team that that score goals, that create chances. Um, so he's going to be a, a team that play on the front foot. So it's a positive move for me. I, I much prefer him to go to a side like that. Uh, we see a lot of our loanees going to teams that are struggling. Um, we historically that was always, you know, it's been the case quite a lot. Um, we seem to like say obviously loan players out to teams that are at the bottom end of the league. But for an attacker, I think it's a nice thing that he's going to go into a side where he's going to get plenty of chances to shine and and sort of learn his trade and that and get involved in the game. So yeah, it's, and, probably, it's a very positive move for me. And very quickly, do you think he's still got a Stoke City future? What does he need to do to come back and have a chance? And he just needs to learn. He's he, he's very slight, isn't he, of physical mm. nature and that. And I think he. He's not had the amount of what's he played twenty two games, but I think he's probably only started, you know, half a dozen at the most of them. Well, he was up there with the ratings of goals per minute ratio <laughs> yeah. that you called out for, like was it one goal every fifteen minutes or something stupid like that? I, I can't remember the stat. This was a couple of months ago, but it was something crazy. Yeah, he was he was he was well ahead of you know. I think his, if you doubled his time, he still would have been top, wouldn't he? <laughs> um, that was the thing. So. Yeah, he hasn't had the greatest amount of shine, and when he has come on, it's been like three or four minutes here and there. Um, you know, not enough really to get into games. He needs to play at this point in his career. Was he twenty-one? Um, so he needs to go out there. He needs to go out, play some games, get some experience, get some confidence, um, learn, learn about the game, learn about the professional game, learn how he can use his frame to his advantage because. People say always oh, too lightweight. So being that small, being that that nimble, actually can be a real, real sort of positive. I mean, I'm, I'm not being funny. Lionel Messi is not the great, not the biggest player in the world, and he's made a decent career for himself. Um, so you know, playing with that, you know, being that sort of size doesn't have to be a hindrance. He can actually use it to his advantage. But to do that, he needs to go out and play and understand, you mm-hmm. know, what he needs to be doing, doesn't he? He does. He does, mate. And then moving very quickly on to our final man that we again have to mention, 
Um, Harry Suter's time has, of course, come to an end. Um, if ever we saw a deal come in this window, this was the one that we all saw coming. So, yeah, 15 million quid plus 5 million add-ons, which is, again, I'm, some fans think it's enough. Some, thanks, uh, some fans don't. Uh, this was always going to be the case. I'm glad it's 50 million plus 5 million add-ons, which I am led to believe are very much focused on the amount of Premier League appearances that he makes and the future success of, of Leicester as well um, in competitions. So be interesting to see how much of that 5 million we actually get. But still, um, I think it was good seeing him develop over the last few years. He's a player that we all know his, his, his capability, his potential. Of course, we wanted to see him in the Premier League. I've seen a lot of people slate him for going. I think that's so harsh. You you can't blame the the, the bloke. We've had a, a deal received from a Premier League team, a team who not long ago won the Premier League. Let's not forget. Yes, they are not the team that won the Premier League, but you know they're a team who've got a, a, a lot of good players, having a bit of a rough season, but I've got a lot of capability. They've got a good backing. Um you can't blame him for going. Plus, it's local again. He doesn't have to move home. He's probably doubled, if not tripled, his wage. Um, you know, you can't blame the bloke for going. And yes, we probably wanted the money to invest elsewhere. I think this was a deal that has worked out for everyone at this time with us being so far away from the Premier League right now. I don't think we could have held him back and justified holding him back. Um and that's just my opinion. People don't like it. I mean, over 700 of you actually voted in a poll on this, and 76% of you think it's a fair deal. And it was quite that's quite unanimous. That's not a, not a close score. That's, again, well over 700 of you. So, Dan, do you agree with the 76%, mate? Is this a, is this a fair deal for Stoke? Uh, yeah, I think it is. Um <laughs> I sort of flip-flopped between what I thought, what I wanted, what I thought we should have held out for. But, you know, now the dust has settled on it. £15 million now, if he becomes a good Premier League defender, it, you know, we're all Leicester fans now, yeah? We want Leicester to stay up. We want <laughs> Leicester to win the cup. We want Leicester to... And Absolutely. Harry Suter, and Harry Suter's got to be at the forefront of it all. Um, but, yeah... It, if he's if they to progress and he's do that, then we get another five million quid. Is that is do we know if there's a sell-on percentage as well of any sort of profit made on this deal? I've not heard anything. I would okay. be surprised if there isn't, mate. I think it's a yeah. it's a standard thing now when these moves happen. Yeah, so yeah, we've if he becomes a 40, 50 million pound defender in two years' time and ends up joining you know an elite club there, then then we get a bit more money as well. So it's not the end of it. Um, but yeah, like I say, for me, I think it's the right time. Like I say, he's, he's, the thing as well is he's not he's not that young, actually. He's, you know, he's nearly 25. He's had an ACL injury. So for you, can you, you know, if we, if we say, oh, Harry, don't, you know, give us another season, all of a sudden then, is he like, touching 27? You know, he's 26, he's going to touch 27. Is he going to get a move to the Premier League at 27? Probably not. Well, mate, what happened, what happened <laughs> with... with um, I mean, I know it's a slightly different scenario, but, like, look, Ryan Shawcross was wanted by Chelsea at one point, and he turned Chelsea down, and I can guarantee you, mate, he regrets that decision. I'm sure he would have much rather have gone to Chelsea in hindsight, um, and 
who knows what would have happened to his England career for a start. So I don't think always staying, being loyal, if loyalty is even a thing these days, um, I don't think it was the right way to go, mate. So, yeah, I, I think he's spot on. Yeah, Jack Butler's the other one as well. Yeah, quite, <laughs> yeah. We, could, we could have cashed in on him for big money and we decided not to. And, and you know, his career sort of dropped down. You know, much, you know, I don't think that was any sort of fault of Jack's or anything. Ones in particular, just one of those things that happened once it. He never really, um, he just just had one of those spells in his career. So, as goalkeepers do, nosedived. Yeah, um, I bet the club wished they you know cashed in on him when they got relegated now. So, and that's probably on the minds. <laughs> let's let's not do this yeah. again. If again, if Suter gets in, if Suter got injured again, which is quite possible, well, you know, yeah, it, he... we could end up being another 12 months out and all of a sudden then he's fighting back, as you said, you know, 26, 27, never regains that form, he never gets that value again and his career goes down the pan. How many times you see it happen with people's careers? So I think it's a calculated decision. Now, I'm telling you now, if Harry Suter did his ACL again now and he hadn't moved, there was no way any Premier League club was touching him for upwards of £10 million, pounds, let alone 15, nearly 20. Um, no. With two ACLs, no chance. No. And I was going to round this section off. We could talk a bit longer on this, but I'm not going to. So like I said, uh, you've had that poll there. We did a second one, just to summarise. Um, again, hundreds of you have voted for this. So was this a good window? Um, 86% of you agree that it was a good window for Stoke overall. So that kind of ties that off. Dan, very quickly, youth and women's mate, any updates on that front for us this week? Uh, yes, so it's a lot of cup action. Um, we'll start with the league, though. So under-18s, uh, they played a league game away at Nottingham Forest last week. They won 2-0, a double from, yes, that's right, Nathan Lowe, uh, banging them in at under-18s level. Uh, this week, the big game... Big game on Friday night. So obviously, if you if you're listening to this, just as it's been released, get yourself down to the Bet365 Stadium, 7 p.m. kickoff, Friday night, FA Youth Cup fifth round tie against West Ham. Uh, so the under 18s, Nathan Lowe is sure to be on that, as I'm sure Tommy Simpkin will be in goal because neither of them were involved in the game for the under 21s against Dinamo Zagreb. So that was a Premier League International Cup, like the final group stage game for us. We needed a win to get through. Uh, Emre Tesco was up front, so I don't know if he'll be playing for the under-18s on Friday. Uh, he played just over an hour before he was subbed off. Uh, but yes, in this game against Zagreb, so we needed a win to progress. And three minutes in, the goalkeeper Jackson was sent off, which didn't help the cause. <laughs> um, no. Neither did he that the subkeeper went down and needed treatment after half an hour either, and then a minute later conceded the first goal. We were 2 0 down at half time, and the game ended 3 1. Lewis Macari actually got a later goal for us late on. Um, so, seems we're down to 10 men after three minutes. I don't think a 3 1 defeat is the worst result in the world it could have been, but unfortunately, that does bring an end to our Premier League International Cup uh, venture for this season. So we'll just have to hope that we get an invite into the one next year. Uh, this week for the under-21s, there's another cup game. So the Premier League League Cup, uh, where we progress from the group stages of that, if you remember. Uh, we've got Wolves away, and that is going to take place at Agborough. So that's Kidderminster's ground, Agborough. And that is on Monday night at 7pm. 
So these are under 18 slash 21 players who play who are sort of mixing between both squads. They're gonna have a busy time this week, aren't they? They've got three different cup competitions mm. there uh, within yeah. like within like five days. Um, so yeah, so best of luck uh, in the youth cup to the under 18s and in the Premier League League Cup to the under 21s the coming week. Uh, and the women were also in cup action. They played City of Stoke in the Staff Senior Cup semi-final, and they run out 10-0 winners. So the second time this season they've scored 10 goals in that competition. Um, well, yeah, nice way to make your way to the final. And it's with goals from Cara Jones, she got a hat-trick. Uh, Sophie Bramford, Royce and Cavell, Rosie Axton. There was a brace for Kelsey Richardson, and then goals for Beth Roberts and Molly Holder. Um, so well done to Stoke on a nice, uh, like I say, emphatic victory to end through to yet another final in that competition. And this week they are back to league action when they travel to Brighouse Town on Sunday. Uh, so there's two pm kickoff away there. Um, one one thing we haven't mentioned, um, is probably in the new section could have been the first section is the fifth round draw of the FA Cup. Oh, yeah, it always so, helps, doesn't it, when you've been discussing Stevenage? <laughs> um, who, who are we facing again? So we've got Brighton at home. We, so the draw was done Monday. we got Brighton at home, as I'm sure you all know now. Um, just so people know, it's going to be a midweek game. Week commencing the 27th of February. Um, we're waiting on... There's going to be four games on TV. I mean, look at the draw. I personally am not expecting ours to be one for TV, which probably means we'll be on the Tuesday or the Wednesday. Um, yeah. There's no replays, so the match has to be settled on the night. Um, obviously, we're not, we haven't got much time to talk about this, but what I will say, mate, is I, they're a very good side. Anyone who's going to underestimate them and feels that we should be beating them because they are Brighton and they are they were crap 20 years ago, no, they're a very good side and they are going to be a very, very stern test for us. Uh, one thing that may move in our favour is it's a long midweek trip and the league may be the priority for them. So whether they do actually bring a full strength side, that we could potentially maybe get a weakened side just because of that. Um, I don't know what you think, Mike. Um, yeah, mate. If, as you rightly point out, if anyone thinks they're a walkover, they're in. They're in. Well, they're not. In, not in twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three. You know, they're 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 nowhere near. Brighton are a great team. They've just knocked out Liverpool. They are, funny enough, what we were um, when we were settled in the Premier League and a model team beating Liverpool and Chelsea and Man City. Um, yeah, we need a little bit of luck. We need a full stadium or a full-ish stadium with a good atmosphere. Um, you know, a Tuesday night game under the floodlights, cup game. It's Those have the chance to be special games. Um, so... You know, I'm sure there'll be a ticket deal on. Uh, we'll, obviously, we've got a, a council meeting coming up against Hall. We'll obviously ask the question, um, if we can, around you know what that may be. They probably won't commit to anything just now because it's so so soon after the draw. But um, hopefully, there'll be a ticket deal. I'm hoping for ten or fifteen quid for adults, maybe a fiver for for kids. I don't think there'll be a pound give for a quid. I don't think they'll do that for the fifth round. Um, yeah, just going to say that they would they would due to play, I mean, it would have helped us if they would played this match, they were due to play Newcastle the Saturday before our game, um, but, but that's now the weekend of the Carabao Cup final, so obviously with Newcastle being in that, Brighton won't have a game the weekend before our game, and then the weekend after they play West Ham at home, 
Um, but it looks to me, according to this, that the game has now been scheduled for Wednesday the 1st of March, 7.45 kickoff. But yeah, so they would have had a nice long trip from Brighton to Newcastle. That could have that could have been perfect for us. <laughs> but um, apparently now, yeah, they're going to have 10 days rest before they play us. Anyway, um, hopefully that's not been too long for you guys. We, It's one of them. It's impossible. There's been a lot going on. So uh, hopefully you've enjoyed that. And obviously uh, what a lot of you want to hear about, of course, is now the Luton away game. So let's talk about that one. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So kicking off uh, this week's uh, Luton, obviously, preview, um, Ian Robinson uh, from the We Are Luton Town podcast has given his thoughts as well going into the weekend. I'm expecting that Ian's going to be a very happy man. So let's have a quick listen to what he had to say before we start digesting this game. Hi, it's Ian Robinson from We Are Luton Town. Just a quick uh, snapshot and preview of the the game coming up this weekend at, at Kenilworth Road. Um, obviously, we've had a, a change in manager since we uh, since we last spoke and since we last played. Obviously, you got the better of us that day. Um, it was not long before Nathan Jones was leaving. I think obviously that a lot of things were up in the air at that point. Um, and obviously, ironically, since he's left, we've um, we've started to do a bit better, um, actually, in terms of results, even though we were doing relatively well anyway. Um, but we now sit fourth in the league with a game in hand of a few around us, so uh, we're in a relatively good position. Uh, away form was actually really good this season. Um, our home, not so much, although we, we haven't lost many. It's been mainly draws, but we managed to uh, turn things around last night against uh, against Cardiff with a, with a good win. It wasn't a good performance, but it was a good win. Um, and that that's what counts. Um, in terms of players to watch, obviously the usual suspects in terms of Morrish and Adebayo. Adebayo's got five and five now in, in five games. So um, he's he's on scoring form at the moment. Obviously our top scorer and goal contributor in terms of assists as well. Morris is on fire this season. But we've made a couple of good additions in the transfer market as well. So we got um, Courtney Drame from Leeds um, in replacement of Bree. He came on, he played for the majority of the game against Cardiff and was really good. Um, really strong, strong in the tackle, which is missing from Bree's game, but also great at attacking as well. So really got us forward and put in some decent crosses. So he was really good to watch um, for most of the game. Um and then we've obviously got Nakamba from Aston Villa. So, you know, we all know what he brings. He's got quite a lot of appearances in the Premier League and the Champions League. Um, he's a deep-lying midfielder. He's a ball winner. Um, so he'll be great to watch. He'll probably be making his debut if he's fit 
um, on Saturday, I would imagine. Um, gives us a chance to rotate a few. Um, so they're really the ones to look out for, really. Um, Luton v Stokes always a bit of a contentious game, you know, with the history, the relatively modern history of the whole Nathan Jones era. But um, it's always hard to tell which way the result's going to go, um, as we found out earlier on in the season. Obviously, we the last three seasons now, we find ourselves in the top half and, and you guys in the bottom, but that doesn't really dictate how the result goes. So it's a bit of a difficult one, really. We're on a good run, um, a very good run. Um, so we're due a defeat at some point soon. Um, with tired legs and stuff, you know, I, you know what? I think I'll probably be happy with a draw, but, but I think I'm gonna go for a two-one Luton win. I think Morrison Adebayo will score, um, and we'll go for a Luton two-one win. But it is a tough one. I could see it going either way. Really, a tight game. I don't think. Uh, Either team's going to run away with it. Uh, Touchwood, hopefully you don't either. Anyway, um, that's about it. Thanks for having me on. And obviously after after this weekend's game, and good luck to you. Yeah, so Dan, as expected, mate, is uh, is a happy buddy. Um, even thinks that they've done better since God's special Messiah left them. Uh, bring as, back as, Nathan as well. Jones. <laughs> yeah, bring, bring back. Nathan back. Jones. Um, I think he's spot on there, mate. I mean, like you mentioned, I think Morris um, being on fire and a few new additions that he thinks is probably going to get them over the line. I, I, I hate to admit it, but I think they will be up in the playoffs this season. Uh, there's a few, I mean, it's a tight division, as we all know, but yeah, he's gone for a 2-1 Luton win. Begrudgingly, I think he was trying to give us a bit of credit and wouldn't be surprised with a draw. But yeah, 2-1 Luton, well, well, we'll give our predictions in a minute. When, when I was looking at this game, Dan, I mean, Morris and Adebayo, scoring plenty. I think Morris has scored like 11 games. Um, Adebayo has scored six or seven. Uh, so scoring plenty of goals between them. Uh, we need to try and keep them quiet if that's possible, just to give us a bit of hope of of getting something out of the game. Uh, I noticed that Alfie Doughty has been playing for them. A lot of people will recognise the name, but have probably never even seen him pull on a Stoke shirt, to be honest. But he's been a, he's been a bit of a regular, um, Alfie Doughty has done. So clearly yeah, he's, he's doing all right. Yeah, he's been stayed fit since September, which is more than he managed when he was for those for twelve months. Um, yes, yeah, so that's a long time for him. Uh, but he's been playing right wing back, anti left wing back, and he's actually got two assists in his last two games. So he's contributing going forward as well. Which I think there was always a player in there, wasn't there? When he was at Stoke, you just we just struggled to keep him keep him on the he, pitch. To be honest, he never got a chance, mate. For me, he had the one injury. And well, it was Michael O'Neill, wasn't it? If I remember right, there's too many managers, mate. I think it was Michael O'Neill one, and he seemed to play a couple of games. Never got a chance because timing was overshadowing him. And then when he got a chance, he did okay. Got injured, and he was never seen again. And before you know it, he's loaned out to Cardiff, and it's like, what the hell yeah. is going on here? It was a bit of a weird one. To be fair, I think he was brought in as competition for timing, but I think timing upped his level and just went through the gears a bit that season. That was sort of Timon's real sort of making his mark on the team that season, wasn't it? Where yeah. he, and I think that's, you know, the, the, the timing he was brought in to compete with, he could have competed and probably got in front of, but the timing that he ended up competing with was a completely different animal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's probably the worst possible season for him to try and come in at, I suppose. Um but Dan, I mean, in terms of obviously, you know, stats wise, I mean, 
I know we, we all know that, you know, Luton play like a 3-5-2. Um, I know that they have Clark in that kind of holding position. So it's not quite a diamond 3-5-2, if that makes any sense. Um, but uh, yeah, how are we looking stats-wise? I don't think we've got a bad uh, record at Luton, actually, if I remember rightly. We do have a very good record. So this will be the 50th meeting between the sides. Uh, we have 22 wins, just been 15 draws and only 12 defeats. At Luton, we have won 11 times, eight draws and just six defeats. So we have a, we, you know, we've won nearly twice as many games as we've lost at Luton. Uh, we've what? lost we've lost only once at Kenilworth Road in the last 30 years, which is had eight wins and two draws in that time. And we've scored on each of our last 14 visits, a run going back to 1984. Oh, boo. So, yeah. So, now, I looked at this. Luton's home record, they've got the 20th worst, uh, 20th best, should I say, home record. So, the fourth, fifth worst. Really? Yeah. It only took 16 points from 13 games. So, I thought, oh, that's good. Yeah, we've got the 13th best away. We've took 18 points from 14 away games, so we've we've took more points away. They've got a home. Fantastic. Last five games, they're third in the league. We're 18th. <laughs> so I was like, ah. maybe maybe they picked up slightly lately. Yeah, they've got four four wins out of the last five games. Um, like I say, third best in the division. We've picked up just four points from our last five fixtures. Um, as we did mention on the last league one, so not the Stevenage one, but the one before, uh, this is now the second game in a run of seven wins from last season. So obviously, we won, didn't we? We started off with a win in the last the last league game. So let's see if we can repeat last season's one nil victory again this Saturday and make it two wins in a row, same as last year. Um, it's the same. If we compare the same fixtures from last season, we are three points better off. However, we are six points worse off than we were after 28 games last season. So it depends which stat you want to look at there. Um, Stoke have had 49.9% possession this season, so literally near enough 50-50. But results have been much better when we've had less of the ball. Luton only have only had 40.3% of possession. But if you want to look at this, right, if you want to break this down, when we beat Luton 2-0 at, Bet- at the Bet365 Stadium earlier this season, they had 64% possession, yet we won 2-0. And when we won 2-0 the year before at Luton, they had 57% possession. Yet, when we lost 2-1 to Luton at home last season, we had 60%. So literally, whoever has the most possession in this fixture loses. Both sides obviously <laughs> play well, play better when they have less of the ball and the other team... Like come on to them more. Um, and it's funny you mentioned number one. You, you mentioned Matthias Sirkic being number one, didn't you, earlier on? Yeah. Um, what I've got here just to end on is since the introduction of shirt numbers 24 years ago, Matthias Sirkic will be the 10th player to wear number one for Stoke. And also, this will be, if he starts the game, it will be the 700th fixture in that time where we've had a number one in goal. <laughs> Mate, where the hell do you find this stuff? Oh, okay, um, fair enough. <laughs> Thank you. And please tell me that we haven't got a dodgy referee this weekend. The referee is Dean Whitestone, not Never Whitehead, not Whitehead, Whitestone. Uh, so this season in the Championship, he has refed fourteen games, given out forty-two yellows, no reds. So that's three yellows a game. So not massive, uh, but he has awarded three penalties and gives on average seventeen fouls per game. Uh, he hasn't ref Stoke this season, but he has ref Luton once. 
uh, which was a 1-0 home loss to Preston in August when he booked zero Luton players and six Preston players. <laughs> wow. Um, but Preston did come out 1-0 winners and they scored an early goal. I think the keeper got booked. There was a couple of full, the fullbacks got booked. So I'm wondering if it's like a bit of time wasting on like throw-ins and goal kicks and stuff like that. Maybe he didn't, didn't stand for much of that. Well, Shane wasn't has been refereeing any Bournemouth games, mate. So they handed him out left, right, and centre, wasn't he? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, Ben Pearson's in with us now, so he's going to be teaching our lot all about that. <laughs> well, we, I was going to um, say, mate, we haven't had a player sent off all season. Here comes Ben Pearson, first game of the season, first game for the club. Boom, red card. <laughs> you can see it coming. Um, overall, by the way, he's he's refed eight Luton games. He's given them twelve yards, no reds, uh, and give them one penalty against them. Uh, they've won one of those eight games, drawing four and losing three. He's ref Stoke six times, give us nine yellows, no reds, give us a penalty, give a penalty against us, and we again have won one of those six, drew two and lost three. So results-wise, neither team really has got much going for them with this ref. We, uh, like I say, two wins from 14 between us. So not not uh, get, get on the draw. <laughs> yeah, I'd definitely get on the score draw by the looks of it. Um, so team predictions, Dan. I've got so many scribbles out on my team here. Where I've mate, yeah, but it's so many variations. I mean, it's a nice problem to have, mate. I think Pearson's got to be brought in. I just don't have a solution. He's got he's got to play five midfield, and oh Christ, I I, I don't know. I I really can't give you an answer. They'll don't know my team. <laughs> oh Jesus, yeah. We'll figure this one out as we get used to the players, I suppose. Well, when he comes to the bench, by the way, we've got name eighteen, haven't we? But then two of the two of them are going to miss out, and then we've got injuries also to Tom Edwards and Sam Lucas. So as far as I can see, oh, and obviously um, uh, Taylor as well, Connor Taylor. So we've got twenty. We've got twenty two. In our 25-man squad, and then we've got the three young lads, and we've got Taylor, we've got Bakari, and we've got Tesco. So there's not going to be that many players, you know, not actually picked, who will actually miss out, if you like, other than the loanees who can't play. Um, so it might just be a case of... <laughs> uh, right, so right, let's start with the goalkeeper. Sarkic, 100%, he's in goal. Sorry, Jack Bonham, but yeah, Sarkic in goal. Yep. I'm going to I'm going four three three. I've decided after much deliberation before I, I changed my formation. Now we're going we're going with four three three. Back four of Sterling, Wilmot, Jagielka, and Tymon. That's the back four. Midfield I've got Pearson, Holding. Um, yeah, so Ben Pearson's hold, he's going to be holding. He's going to be destroying. Loren's going to be doing your box-to-box work because I think that he's shown that that's the kind of midfielder he is and he's excelling when he's sort of given that bit of freedom and he sort of gets up and down, doesn't he? These last, few, these last couple of games, he's produced his best stuff because he's sort of played a bit more freedom and he's and getting he can, around the uh, pitch. If he can score like he did against Stevenage, mate, with that left foot, if that's his weak foot, um, then bring it on. <laughs> Yeah, and I think Baker as well. Baker can also do a similar role where, if, like I say, if Pearson sat behind them, then it gives Loren and, and Baker the freedom to go and attack the space and, and press high, knowing they've got him behind them. Um, so, yeah, that, that's going to be what I'm going to be doing there. P- 
Pearson sitting, Loren and Baker have been pressing. They can both push forward. They can both drop in and help out defensively as well. But they've got, like I say, they can just put themselves about it and use their sort of, you know, use the legs to get around the midfield there and we'll put some pressure on the ball for Luton. Um, Campbell's going to be on the right of the three, Selena on the left, Brown down the middle. But as we said earlier on, those three can just keep interchanging, and I think they'll find the weak. They'll find whichever defender's got the weakness against their particular um, attributes, whether it be pace, trickery, um, or pressing and, and energy. They'll find the right defender for them, and I think that'll be that'll be what we do. I mean, Dwight Gale for me, I'd like I'd love to see Dwight Gale play, but I mean he wasn't even on the bench last week, so I don't know what uh, whether he was injured or just rested. Um, mm. I'd say rested personally, maybe. I, it's hard to find a place for him, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. I, he was putting my team, and then I, had to, I put Smallburn in my team, he got scribbled out. Um, I put Gale in my team, and then he got scribbled out. And I was like, I can't I can't fit them all in. This is a great problem to have. <laughs> um, yeah. And I'd say if that's my 11, that leaves on the bench Smallburn, Thompson, Fox, Bon, and Gale. And then I think it's going to have to be Tesgal and Makari um, because I don't think there's. Many other options because obviously we can't play. I'm gonna to have to leave out Hoover um, and uh, Twanzibi. Yeah, um, it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens, mate. I mean, so again, as you said, nice problem to have. Um, I would probably guess that Alex Neal probably knows by now. Obviously, the time of recording is Wednesday, he's probably got an idea of what he wants to do, but wouldn't overly surprise me if he's still mulling it over. Um, because there's so many combinations. So, yeah, um, moving swiftly on as well, uh, we'd like to get a prediction from Mr Graham McGarry, so uh, we will have a quick listen to what he's predicted for this week. Hello there, you Potters predictors. This is Graham McGarry getting ready once again for this weekend's match at Kenilworth Road, where you take on Luton Town, but you don't need to be concerned. You're not meeting up with your former manager, Nathan Jones. He's trying to plot the uh, recovery of Southampton in the Premier League. But for your team, it's a new look team, perhaps, come Saturday afternoon for Alex Neal, after all the work that he's been putting in in the last few days of the transfer window. And can you continue winning ways? Comfortable win against Stevenage has earned you a nice fifth-round home draw against Premier League club Brighton. That's all on the back burner. Still much-needed championship points to play for for Stowe. So, Luton, difficult place to go. Crowd really right behind the team. Think Stoke can come away with a result, though. Not get beat. Stoke City to draw at Kenilworth Road. Luton 1, Stoke City 1. Cheers, Graham. Thank you very much, mate. 1-1. One, one. Clearly been listening to the person with all the knowledge and who is top of the prediction table uh, for uh, this uh, season. Um, yeah, so I think, didn't Graham will have sent his prediction in before you announced yours? So I'm not sure that's the way it's worked out. Um, and oh, as, yeah. it ha- as it happens, this prediction table... Uh, me and Graham both went for three one against Stevenage last week. Oh damn! So your four one only got you two points, which means you're on thirty three. Me and Graham are both on thirty one, and the and the opposition fans are on twenty one points. Ah, losers. Um, yeah. So, mm, close now. All right. Yeah, um, Graham. You know, stop. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my uh, prediction, by the way. I'm going for a Desmond. We love a Desmond this season. Last Desmond 2-2? Yeah. 
So I'm going for Selena getting his first goal for Stoke. And then I think there'll be a bit of a two and throw in. And I think we'll chuck Dwight Gale on the end. And he'll get his first, his first, inverted commas, proper goal for Stoke. Where he, <laughs> uh, he actually means with a great little finish. Poaches effort from about eight, nine yards. I reckon keeping no chance to rescue a point for us late on. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. What, well, mate? God, what, what, what a dilemma with these players. Jesus. Um, okay. Anything else you want to cover off before we go into the quiz that I've said we should ignore because this is a long enough pod? But like, no, no, no. I want to do my quiz because I've done it. So, come on. Yeah. Jack Curran still leading Gaffer on 2224 points. At Stoke Gaffer's in second on 2136. And Pookie Blinders is still third on 2105. Uh, you've dropped down a place to 35th uh, after getting five points this week with 1457. I've gained two places up to 28th with 1503 uh, after getting 29 points. There was only four games this week. I think there was three, three on the weekend, one there and then one in midweek. Because uh, of all the FA Cup games. Super 6, Luke Higgins has got 312, leads the way. One point behind uh, is Luke Jones on 311. And then Nick Green is in third on 307. You are 64th after collecting six points this week to take you to 222. Whilst mm. I have dropped to 83rd on 164 because it says I didn't submit. However, I know I did. Because oh, I you didn't though, did you? I mustn't. Well, I mustn't declare. I mustn't declare save. But I definitely filled all those fixtures in, and I would have. Oh. I would have got bloody nine points as well. God damn it! Mate, never, we've heard I, this all before. Oh, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah, just yeah. do it properly so, next time. So you're going to Vale Park at the end of the season, just so I, you know. Well, no, not at this point. We'll both be going together at this point because you're you're bottom of gaffer and I'm bottom of super six. Okay. Yeah. Oh well. Probably got to spend money on that, but okay. Fine. Um, okay, right. Get on with your quiz then so people can uh, get on with their days. And, right. Uh, yeah. Are you ready for this? It is A. It's all related to players we've signed on transfer deadline day. In J- January, transfer deadline day has gone past. Um, okay, I'm not going to be good at this, but go on. So, number one, I'll give you a lot of the players. It's like not always questions about like who the player was. So, question number one. Last season, we signed two players on loan on deadline day. Can you name me at least one of them? Um, um, so, I'm going to go for... Well, strike it. Oh, no, because I was thinking, I thought Sam Surridge, but he, no, he was he was a transfer. I don't think he was a freebie anyway. Gone by then. Yeah, he had been. Um. Okay, was it? Oh, wasn't Ostergaard, Was it? No, Josh no. Madger. Oh, Madger, Jesus, yeah. And the swap deal that saw Tom Ince leave the club and Liam Moore came in as well. God, yeah, that was a mess, wasn't it, Liam Moore? That was a terrible mess. So, question number two: Jamarjo Rat Phillips has left the club on loan this deadline day but he actually signed for Stoke on January deadline day in 2021. But from which club? Oh, was it... Oh, oh sorry, you said on, on loan he signed for Stoke. No, no, he signed for Stoke permanently on deadline day 2021, but from which club did we sign him? Okay, so that would have been Blackburn. 
Manchester Ooh, City. No, Man City. Man yeah. City. Yeah, sorry. So question number three. In 2020, Stoke made two deadline day signings. Tashan Oakley Booth was one. The other one joined from Aston Villa. Who was it? Oh, Christ. Wouldn't it, <laughs> it wouldn't be James Chester, would it? It's James Chester. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> question number four. Deadline day 2018, we splashed out £14 million on Badu and Dai. He scored two goals in 13 games as we went down that season. Can you name at least one of the sides he scored against? Didn't he score against Bournemouth? Oh, nearly. So he scored, would you like to tell you? He scored on the last day against Swansea and he also scored oh. the opening goal against Burnley in the game, about four from the end of the season. Oh, yeah. Oh, drawing, yeah. That we ended up drawing 1 1. Yeah. Uh, question number five. Stoke splashed out a club record 18.3 million on the aforementioned Giniali Mbula in 2016. But from which club did we sign him? Um. Oh, oh, I'm gone. My first name that's come to my head is Marseille. Um, but I think, I think it wasn't. It was Porto. It was Porto, I believe. Mar- he was definitely come from a French club. He, he left a French club to sign for Porto six months earlier. So it may have been Marseille. That might be where he, But yes, you are correct. It was Porto. Uh, question number six. Which teenager did we pay Birmingham £3.5 million for on deadline day 2013? Butland. Yes. Uh, question number seven. Deadline day 2010 saw us pay £3.25 million for another goalkeeper, Asmir Begovic. Which club did we acquire him from? Was it Portsmouth? It was... Well, I don't know if that's too early. In his... No, 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 it can't be. Matt... Yeah, go 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 Pompey. I think it was Pompey. He was it with was him for Pompey. ages. It was Pompey, you're right. It was, yeah. And the final question, in 2008, which playmaker signed for a second loan spell under a second different manager from Blackburn Rovers? So he came back for a second loan spell at the club. From He was, he was a Blackburn player. He came back in 2008 for his second loan spell um, having played his previous one under a different manager for Stoke. Ironically, he became a very big part of Alex Neal's Preston team. Don't know. Paul Gallagher. Oh, Paul Gallagher. Bloody hell. There's a blast from the past. <laughs> 2008, to be precise. <laughs> um, yes, you didn't do very bad there. You didn't do bad at all. Yeah, so a few of them were really tricky, mate. I mean, again, midnight is not the time to be doing this stuff. But <laughs> fine. Um... Okay, well, I think that is long enough. We could have gone on a hell of a lot longer. We could have done so much more. But as we've said before, uh, when there's so much to talk about transfers, if we spoke about everybody, this would be a three-hour podcast. So Everybody needs to listen to us for three hours. No, even we don't want to listen to us for three hours. So thank you to everyone, as always, for listening. We know we picked up a lot of um, new listeners over the transfer period, which is always nice. 
Um, you know, the stats are, are really good. So thank you to everyone, wherever you are, for, for listening. Support's always appreciated. We'll obviously be back next Friday at Light Clockwork. Uh, we'll obviously be looking at um, Hull City. Uh, I'm pretty confident we've got a good chance against Hull. And I think we've actually got a midweek match as well following that. So there will be a podcast on the Monday uh, following the uh, the whole game we as well. We haven't had a Monday podcast for a while, have we? No, mate, it's we haven't. One this year. Yeah, it's the first one. So you're going to get two podcasts um, within the next kind of week to 10 days, which is good. So, yeah, anyway, thank you, Dan. Always good to speak to you, mate. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch everybody uh, very soon after we beat Luton uh, 3-1. Um, and I've changed my prediction, have you noticed? <laughs> <laughs> All but... the potters. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.